Hello and welcome to another edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra with myself, Tom Harrison. And I'm once again joined today by Karina Torres. Kari, how are you doing? I'm good, Tom. How are you? Very well, thanks. So let's get straight into it. Today, um, a bit different from usual. You know, normally Liga Mekis is the focus, but so much stuff has been going on uh, related to the Mexico national team recently. I mean, it should really be a quiet time post World Cup and everything, but we've got situation with the head coach. We've got a very, very interesting set of call-ups for the upcoming friendlies. And we've had plenty of action in, in terms of transfers and action on the pitch for uh, the Europeos. So there's loads of that to talk about. So today, a bit different. It's going to be an L3 focused podcast. Definitely. Let's get started with L3 news. Okay, so um, Kelly, you've, I, I've seen you've done a lot of prep for today. <laughs> what's, what's first on your list? There's, there's many things, Tom. I mean, there's lots going on, especially with the um, three friendlies coming up. So definitely prior to that, a couple of weeks, everybody questioning, um, is is the three coach still open? Have there been candidates? Like, what's going on with that? Why are they taking so long? Is it because, you know, X, Y, and Z? Or, you know, people always questioning that part. So my first thing on the list is Tuca because Tuca Ferretti is, you know, right now temporary. And I think at one point I did say that I would like for him to take over, but I feel like I have restricted from that for many reasons. But I'm glad that it's someone that has already, you know, done a couple of friendlies with Mexico. And I'm really interested on the call-up that he did. So what do you think about Tuca taking over the friendlies? I, I hope for the FMF's sake that it is a method of attempting to woo him to persuade him to take over the job full time which obviously he is very unsure about doing uh, we all know that there's been plenty of news about this over the years and he's all the news that's ever come out is that he doesn't want to do it uh, and he'll only do it on a temporary basis and even today i saw news coming out from from someone at Tigres um, saying that this is 100 percent temporary but I hope for the FMF's sake that they are trying to get him full-time, not, not particularly because I want him full-time, but because otherwise it's utterly pointless. I mean, f first of all, the, the squad has apparently been picked not by him, but, but by uh, the technical director, um, who's Teclosa, and by Torado, obviously legend um, of, of Mexico now involved in the national team. I mean, if, if they're picking the squad... These are, these are two friendly games why not have someone from inside um, who is you'd hope would be part of some sort of long term plan why not just have them coach the team for two games which it doesn't matter what the results are this is about getting players into the squad getting them used to uh, what it's like to put on that Mexico shirt what it's like to play in a national team game in front of massive crowd and the pressure and the excitement that comes with putting on that national team jersey that's what it's about so for me bringing in Tuca is just if it's only temporary it's just a waste of time I just don't see the point definitely and I think you know like you said it's a it's a permanent no and I think 
yet they're going to still try to convince him somehow. Because I think I heard even he's going to be temporary for these two friendlies, but they're trying to convince him for the other two friendlies in late October. And I think that will kind of interfere with the scheduling, but it's not a yes to those. But I totally agree with what you're saying. I feel like it's, it's kind of pointless because, you know, like what's going to come out of it, you know? And I think... I like what you said about this call up, which is interesting because it's a very youthful one. So like you said, if we if he would have been the one calling up, we kind of would have not seen this many youngsters. Let's be honest, because I think that was one of my, you know, hesitations when I said prior, like I would like Duca, but my only problem is the youngsters, because even in his Tigre squad, he rarely debuts youngsters. So what to be expected if the next generation coming up? It's nothing but youngsters. We're not gonna. There's a couple of players that we saw from this World Cup that might make it, but most of most of them are not. They're already gonna be aging out. So, you know, I definitely agree with giving these youngsters opportunity um, to, you know, see what it is to play for in Mexico. Have that illusion that one day they can probably make it, make a good impression in case other um, other coaches or you know. Uh, candidates are looking oh you know I like how he played for this for this you're what about switching at this position here and that so I think it gives the youngsters a great opportunity um, I think when you said about the scores don't matter they really don't but honestly they're going to be criticized regardless if we win versus Uruguay it's going to be because oh there's always going to be some excuse because that's the Mexican media but what I want to get out of it is I want to see a youthful um, squad that can show us that they are ready it, it's it's going to be kind of because they're youngsters they are going to make mistakes so we can't just let's say Roberto Barado, you know the youngster that's been really bright right now Cruz Azul. let's you know example he doesn't have a good game with uh, with Mexico okay that is, that's not the end of the world you know so I think that also comes into play that these youngsters are going to make mistakes regardless you know if they're playing good or not in La Liga but we're just going to have to you know, accept it and they're going to have to grow because there is four years. So it's a squad that would probably be the base of what can we see in Qatar. So, yeah, yeah. I would, to be honest, I would be very, very happy with a full on ban of analyzing these two games. Nothing should be learned from these games at all. We know about the players because we see them every single week. There's, there's not much that we can learn. Well, in fact, come on, there's nothing. We're talking about international friendlies, that there's going to be like 12 substitutions in the second half. It, it's going to be played at a half-rate pace. It's not going to be a proper match. They're not proper matches. They're friendly games. We are not going to learn stuff about these players that we don't already know. And there's a massive danger in, in judging too much from someone having a good game and, like you say, attacking a player and like cutting them loose because they have a bad game. I mean, someone could have, like, like Alvarado, for example, who's been on fantastic form at Liga Mekis, he could have two bad games here and then suddenly you can see it. The press starts to criticise, people get on his back, people say, yeah, he's good, but he never does it for Mexico, you know? He's good for, he's good for Chris Asul, but no, he just doesn't, he doesn't cut it at national team level. It's friendlies. It doesn't matter. Um, this is a process of it's. It's just experience, like fantastic experience for the players, and that's honestly that's all we should say about it. Um, sit back, enjoy. I say, give them the give them the support, the love. Even if they make that mistake or or they don't have the best game, fine. We trust you. It's one game. You're young. You're gonna get better. That's what I want to see. Yeah, exactly. 
So and nothing and think, matters. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, it just they're friendlies. They just don't like even the gold cup barely matters. I mean, four years, yeah. four year process, four years. That's what it's about. <laughs> I think it's good to mention what you said that you know this this game they're you know they're not important in the sense that we're not going to see the fully developed player play at its 100 percent you know obviously they still have their own competitions they're going to probably save it but at least if we lose i don't care if we lose but as long as we see you know the players playing you know half their best you know like we're just talking about because you know like you said like makes it mexican media it's they can break you down so i think even the players i think they have to mentally be prepared that regardless if they win or lose they're going to be criticized how they did what they did wrong it's barely going to come out what they did good but i think we do have to support them and just uh, just accept the fact that it is what it is because they're friendlies and you know move on yeah and the real the real time we should make any judgments is end of november so we got three international break blocks coming up um, yeah. Where are they in their first game against Uruguay? If we keep a similar squad together, which would be sensible, there's there's no need to bring over the Euro- the European guys really. Um, most of them could do with a rest, I reckon. Uh, need to be at full fitness for their club seasons. No need to chuck in Chicharito in a friendly. Like, what's the point? Yeah. Um, you know, if we keep this squad together, where are they now? How do they play in that first game against Uruguay? How do they play in their sixth game together in November? That's yeah, when you can definitely. start to make a judgment. You know, how much, how far have they come? Where have they got to go? Uh, and that, it's just logical thinking <laughs> about having some sort of plan and process, which we rarely see. So yeah, we're kind of used to it the unknown processor because we don't really trust it but yeah i mean there's no those europeos there's no reason to bring them i mean chicharito and Layun were like hey don't call us up because it's understandable so we need to give these youngsters as much opportunity and play we already know what Layun can do we already know what chicharito can do we all know what they can report to the team we're just focused on having a backbone to future mexico so um but looking look really looking into this call up yeah. Have a question. Is there any players that you thought should not have been called up? Yeah, there are a few. I'd say Alanis, without a doubt. Um, again, we're thinking four-year process. 29. He's going to be 33 in four years' time. He's not a great defender. He's okay. Uh, he's playing in the Spanish second division now. Like, I'd be stunned if he's still around the Mexico national team scene in four years' time. Um, yeah. There's definitely three centre backs that are better than him, so I, I don't I don't see the point of having him here. Why not chuck in like I don't know Vargas or I just don't see the I'm point. I'm a big fan of Vargas, honestly. I feel like he's very flimsy. Eduardo Tercero, <laughs> he should be in the squad, but not Alanis. It's a waste of time. There's there's questions over whether Jonah dos Santos should be in there again. Going to be 32 in four years' time. He's not he playing very well for though. Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, you still think of him as the wonder kid, right? Yeah. Um, you know, some people said he shouldn't have been in. I, I can see that point of view. And I, I guess the other one, I, I, um, I'm wary of saying it in front of you, but I don't think Elias should be in the squad. You did not just say that. <laughs> I did. 
Okay. How old you... is he? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I he's, mean, he's, I mean, he's we're... thirty, and he's never been yeah. a national team quality player. He's at the peak of his career, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, mm-hmm. fu- there's no future. No, there's not. It's sad to say because I really like Elias, and I think, you know, a couple of years ago, I think he had like, was it with Osorio? He had like no, he had one or two, I think. He's got twenty three caps in total. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think Elias is that player that it's just it. Let's throw him into the the Mexico mix right now. He, I don't think he's gonna go it's to just Qatar. Form, isn't I just, it? It's just I know, but <laughs> give him that uh, once again that one that illusion, you know? Because I mean, Elias Hernandez, I really, I really, really like him. I'm not trying to be biased. I thought you're looking at me like I'm being biased, <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, I don't. Maybe not for selection. I think it's just depending on how he plays with others. I think there's just a certain amount of players that he can actually connect with, and you know, it's sad, but can't believe you said Elias in front of me. That's That was risky. It's like a it's like a stab. Yeah. <laughs> um stab by I don't it. know about Yeah, it really was. Um I don't know about you, but Pulido to me shouldn't have been called. Um I'm not discrediting because I, I do enjoy Pulido. I just think maybe right now would not have been a good time for his call up. Just me. I don't know what you think. I like him as a player, but yeah, it's, it's a tough situation, the striker, isn't, isn't it? Obviously, there aren't loads of options. I think Raul is looking great to step up and be the main striker. His performances for Wolves so far this season have been very good. Certainly, the Wolves fans have been very impressed from what I've read. But look, looking at the backup, I mean, who else apart from Polito is there in terms of backup Mexican strikers? I, I'd say he's probably the third best right now. So my question to you, why was not, why was Chofis not called up and why was Alexis Vega not called up? I don't know is the answer. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, that's a bad question. I know, I mean, I would have, I would have called up, it's, a, it's an important point to make. I mean, I would have called up both of them without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Vega's definitely done enough to deserve it. Um, certainly put him there over Zaldiva. Zaldivar Zaldivar has potential for the future but not as much as Vega Vega's had a great start to the season and Choffies is just the classic I mean he's criminally underrated he always has been and for some reason people don't like what they see in him I mean who who, leaving LES to the side Mm -hmm. who has watched Liga Mekis over the past season two seasons and thought that Erika Gire is a better winger than Choffies Lopez who's doing that? I, I I don't know it's it's, it's there is there is some serious like either I am missing something massive about Chuffies, but he is just there's some sort of hatred against him. I mean, I also have to bring up whilst I'm talking about people who are criminally underrated. Tito Villalpando should be in this team. Tito Villalpando. He should be in the team. Yeah, without Why? a doubt, he's alongside. He's been as good as uh, Guti and Pineda. In, in recent in the last couple of seasons in Liga Mekis he's been as good as Guti and Orbelin and I'm pretty sure he's 27 so he will be a great age for the next World Cup um, there's no reason for me why he shouldn't be considered for the four year process so he should be in the squad interesting I don't think you would add that player but 
maybe maybe it just takes that one coach that'll you know look deeper into it but i do agree with trophies it's kind of like offended i would i can only imagine like a true chivas fan like really you're not calling up trophies like what else can he do you know what else can he do like if he hasn't demonstrated regardless of how of an inconsistent chivas might be you know having trophies is that player on the field that will give you what you need every single game you know and i think i maybe i don't know maybe something's wrong with us or <laughs> i don't know that's a good question i just you know you do think he's underrated and i i don't i don't understand i really don't He's got to be pretty annoyed looking at the squad and seeing Saldivar getting called up and not him. Exactly. Because Saldivar, to me... Makes no, he, sense. He it needs... makes no sense. <laughs> it's frustrating because you cringe just watching it. Um, but I don't, I don't understand. Me neither. That's all I can say. <laughs> he should be in it. Okay. Now, talking about deserved players... Um, name like one or two players that you think yes they deserve this call up <laughs> in terms of the new guys I, I assume in. I mean obviously, obviously Alvarado I mean he's he's been phenomenal for the last season I, 100% deserving of it I think it's good to see Obelin back he's he's been in very good form recently for Chivas struggled last year but he's been back on his game recently so I think it, it's great to see him some people question whether Linus his deserve is ready. I, I think I think he I think he does deserve it. You know, I think what he's shown means he is worthy of being given the opportunity to see what it's like to be like like we were saying earlier, to, to be part of the the squad and see what it's like to play for Mexico. And uh, interestingly, he if he plays he'll be the first player born um in the new millennium to play for Mexico. Born in two thousand. Yeah. Dang. Slightly it's crazy. frightening. He's 18. Yeah. Yeah. Another. Let's let's talk about something I'm like just curious about. Post Osorio, what do you think if he's left anything to El Tri? Anything like? Um, I hope in terms of the the preparation, I, there was quite a lot of uh, media about the preparation for the World Cup in terms of um, having the kind of I guess you call them dossiers for players about sending out like information packets to the players before the World Cup, uh, working with them whilst they were still with their clubs on fitness, uh, on getting them ready for what it's going to be like. Um, I think everything in terms of training camps, everything, it sounded like it was a lot more professional. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, Osorio has a background of being a fitness and conditioning coach, and I think he brought that element to it, more professional fitness conditioning work, uh, dietary work than I think has happened before. So I'd hope that that would be a legacy. I think in terms of playing style, Osorio was obviously had his very strong beliefs about certain things. He did things his way. He did things differently to what a lot of people were used to. And I honestly think that's going to go out the window because the <laughs> way the way that the FMF seemed to work is pretty short-termism. It's pretty much we get a manager in, we get a coach in, they do the coaching and we sit back. And um, that means that, you know, you'll have a coach will come in and have this style, have his ideas. 
and he'll spend time implementing it. And the moment he's gone, all that work is gone because someone else gone comes away. in and they've got some, they've got different ideas, different ways of doing it. I mean, if Tuca Ferretti comes in, we've got a, one of the strongest ideological coaches within Mexican football who we all know about Tuca's style and it's completely different mm-hmm. um, to, to what we've seen. Um, so yeah, the focus on, certainly like the focus on having a certain number of tall players, that's gonna be gone. There'll probably be less focus on set pieces. Um, there's gonna be less rotation, all that stuff. It's gonna be gone. Yeah, and I think- Depending on who comes in, but. Yeah, and I think that's why you know, I was just thinking because all the most of all the players were really satisfied with Osorio, regardless of what the press say, what everybody, all the commentators, everybody on the media was just hammering him down to World Cup, prior World Cup, and post. And you know, the players really enjoyed him. The players believed in him. They believed in his, you know, ideology, everything. So, I think definitely the thing, top aspect that you said was, you know. Let's hope it keeps that. Everything else definitely out the window. Uh, the rotations, whether or not everybody was, you know, supporting them or not, especially after the first Germany game, everybody was like in awe because it worked somehow. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely whoever comes in, it's it's like starting all over. And how are the least players going to adapt? Is it, you know, what positives and negatives it has? You know, I just hope that the next coach comes in and keeps maybe some of the ideology behind it but at this point we really don't know who's going to take over and it could be a good and a bad thing for me to get a a mexican coach i think that would be ideal but we know that's probably like very slim because i do not want to recycle piojo i really don't and i've said that a thousand times so I just want someone that knows Liga Meki, someone that knows these players someone that understands you know how what we expect what what are the ideal goals the attainable ones that we're not you know gonna fail and just get a good process going because at the end of the day it's four long years but we're not we're gonna have our highs we're gonna have our lows but we just have to trust the process i think that's a good hashtag el tris next coach hashtag trust the process because yeah i have a follow-up question for you a little challenge oh oh no why do why does the coach have to know Liga Mekis and know the players? And the reason I say this in particular is because I would you would you consider me to know Liga Mekis and to know the players? What do you mean? Do I know Liga Mekis? You do. Yeah. You do. Do I know the players? You do. You yeah. do know the players. Five years ago I didn't and I learned. Okay. So we've we've got four years to the World Cup. We're talking about you know someone significantly more intelligent, experienced, and qualified than I. It didn't take me that long to learn about the league and and the players, and I didn't have any help from people within the FMF and stuff like that. So there you go. That's my challenge. Why do they have to know the players now? Can they not just learn? They can learn, but that's the thing. It's if they put their effort and they actually learn. You know, like you said, you learn on your own. You didn't have any help from anybody. You learn because you wanted to, because you enjoyed the league, because you wanted to know these players. You wanted to know how they, you know, develop game by game. You know, look at their past. Look how where they have grown to. What positions can they be able to play? Can they play this? 
if the coach wants, if the next coach wants to learn, I mean, I think maybe I went extreme on a Mexican coach because I feel like, for example, Era Erikson, no one agreed with him. No one was like, why are we bringing him? Like, he doesn't know anything. And we kind of were set up to fail. Um, so I think, you know, I think I went too far with Erickson's a coach. Erickson's a tactically bad coach. But yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know what I mean. So I think maybe me saying uh, like a Mexican coach, MX, maybe because, yeah, you're probably the exception to that. And there could be other exceptions out there. But I don't know. It's it, I, I don't know. Especially El Tri's coach position. It's a really hard position to fill because who would want to get that position? It's a great, glorious one, but there's there's the dark side of it. There's always going to be that dark side of it. Yeah, and... I mean, I mean, you're right, but I always see people say this. I think, well, there must be tons of top coaches that would love to manage one of the biggest footballing nations in the world. I mean, we're talking about a team, a country that gets through the group stage every single year. This is it's one of the biggest, and potentially, you know, the potential is huge. The fan base is massive. It's not necessarily going to be a massive name. Yeah, if, if you're looking at someone who's got a really, really big reputation and is world-renowned, then they might turn up and go, no, I'm not going to take Mexico because I've got a better offer somewhere else. But there must be plenty of fully qualified, experienced, knowledgeable coaches that would jump at the chance. If you said to them, you know, here's, here's what we want. That's what I always wonder from the FMF. You know, are they, are they going up to people and presenting? Like, here's the plan. Here's what we want yeah. you to do. Here's, what, here's the expectations. And sometimes I wonder if it's just like, uh, yeah, you'll do. <laughs> yeah. Go in and do what you want. Because that's, yeah, I do wonder that sometimes. I would, I'd love to know what goes on in their interviews. I think it's so. It just has to be someone that, I guess, we go back again. Is willing to learn, is willing to get to know these players. Someone that really, really wants to. I think that's just my thing. Like they someone have the that passion wants to. to be, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The passion to take on Mexico because, like you said, the fan base. We're loyal. We follow them wherever. It doesn't matter if we win, if we lose, if it's Russia, if it's China. Their Mexico fans are going to be everywhere. They support it regardless. I just want someone that's really passionate and is really focused and really wants to, um, really wants to succeed with Mexico because it's possible. You've said it. Potential. The potential is there. We just need someone to manage it the best way they can. And like you said, it may not be a big name, but if if the idea is there, if the passion's there, if the effort's there, the ambition is there, realistically, then why not? But and that, as of right now that's where I think that's a great point and actually I think we don't want a big name because of that you, so many national team jobs are taken by really experienced coaches who've got big mm -hmm. names you know guys like I mean Ericsson was a great example managed England as well and like so, someone like Gus Hiddink who goes around managing various countries turns up at the World Cup and like gets a big paycheck gets his moment in the spotlight for a bit keeps his name well known does it does a fair amount for a short period of time we don't want that you we don't want someone who's already made it like yeah you want someone who's passionate who who is yet to make it but someone who you see and go you have got the potential you have got the passion you've got the knowledge can you make it work and make a name for yourself so you know that like you say you know that they're going to be working really really hard that it's going to be 
it, you know, it's going to be what all they think about day and night. And I think in in that in that regard, I think Osorio was great. You know, we want someone mm-hmm. with that sort of uh, mentality that put him out of work that Osorio did. I just think it it needs to be linked in with more of a long term plan, which which surrounds more than just the coach, and um, it needs to be someone who buys into that. And I mean, can we can we still put as a candidate for Almeida or not? Because. For a lot of people, that's the easiest route. But I think, you know, there's still that questioning that internationally he doesn't have that experience, you know. I think the fact that he is sitting without a job and wasn't even given the temporary thing for for it's, these games, yeah. right? I mean, that seems pretty damning. Okay. Anything else you want to add to our L3 talk? Before we go to Mexicans abroad? No, I think let's go. Let's, let's do some Mexicans abroad. Oh, okay. actually, one more thing. I just find this really interesting. Uh, go ahead. Both of Santos's young left-backs have made the call-up. Angulo and Arteaga. I just think it's really interesting that Santos have rotated between them this season and they both get called up to El Tri. So clearly no one can decide which one's better. And I, I just find <laughs> it quite interesting. <laughs> what are they, 18? 18-year-olds? Angulo is, is 20 and Arteaga is 19. But Arteaga has played more, but Angulo's been better recently. So no one knows. But well done, Santos, for producing both definitely, of them. Definitely a, a good mashup coming into these friendlies. Interesting. Santos. Santos coming up on that. El Tri base players. Well, they produce a lot of fullbacks. And that's about it. Which they're pretty... Yeah, and that's about it. <laughs> Um, okay, let's move on to Mexi- Mexicans abroad. Um, do you want to start off with the Mexicans abroad activity so far? Like um, Jimenez with Wolves, I think you kind of mentioned in a piece of it how um, he's been playing, like yep. starting and playing most of the games. Yeah, um, starting up front, playing well, scored in his debut. That was start. a good goal in his debut. Yeah, I, I, it was it was a good goal, and he had a goal this past weekend, and it was an offside goal, so I was kind of like, no, um, they tied Man City, which yeah. why it was a good game because um, it was versus Man City. Man City obviously is stacked with Pep Guardiola's players, so definitely a good game. I think Wolves deserved it, but at least they take away a point. Um, Chicha with West Ham. Yeah, same he- old. <laughs> Right. Same old. Yeah. 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 I think I'm questioning whether it was a good option for Chicha to go to Premier League with West Ham because I think at that point I was I could have been like Chicha just stay with Bayer Leverkusen, you know. He's a difficult player because so many coaches just don't think he can play him up front on his own. Yeah. And that's a massive problem. Massive, massive problem. Um, whether or not they're right or wrong. Uh, I think he can, but when he's played best, he's been in a in a front two. When he was best at Man United, he played mm-hmm. with they. He, he'd play up front, like come off the bench, play with Rooney. Um, obviously at, at Bayer Leverkusen, he he did well playing uh, often with two up front. He he has played well on his own, but a lot of coaches seem to not have that faith in him to offer to offer enough to the game apart from goals. And as crucial as goals are, a lot of coaches want 
the kind of total football idea. They want the striker to be involved in more than just scoring goals. So that's the thing. If he's not scoring, then he's very easily dropped and it's a big problem for him. Um, yeah, it's not it's not got to a good start, and he's and he's he's thirty now. Yeah. So. So I think I think I'm just, I'm just thinking, could this be his last season in Premier League? I mean, it's too soon, but I think what we witnessed last season and already at the beginning of this one is it even worth it staying? Possible, you know, talks to MLS, which I would not want to, and I think he even said I think he'd rather go to Mexico instead of going to MLS, but. I would maybe a return to Chivas would be a good move. At there his, were some you know. rumors of that last year, so yeah, so would be good. But let's hope Chicha gets moving. Um, let's see, Porto, the Mexican Porto. <laughs> yeah, they lost. Yeah, they, they had lost. an awful start to the season. Um, they were two 0 up at half time. Herrera started the game, uh, played all match, did have a good game, and. Um, yeah, they they would yeah tune it up and they ended up losing three two and Tecatito came off the bench and then went off injured, so they'd won their other two games so far this season but that was their first loss which any loss in Portugal is quite catastrophic because yeah <laughs> it really is they, yeah it's they really take it serious <laughs> I mean it's you think Liga Mekis of the league of parity Portugal is the complete opposite you know. The league Ooh. of the league of no parity. <laughs> the big teams are big. The small teams are very small. So if you slip up, then it can cost you. But I think uh, you know it's it's good. It's looking good for Herrera. I mean, he's captain. He's starting every game. He's a key player for them. Tecatito not so good. He's been very. I mean, when Tecatito can. He's amazing, but I think sometimes he can get carried away. He can be too selfish. I think even the World Cup, he was more like one of my biggest deceptions. I was like, I, I, I can't, you know. And people were like, well, we should already expect this from Tecatito. And I was like, well, I think he has just, just those on and off games. And there's times where he can be a little selfish and hold the ball too long. And but World Cup was just not good. So I'm hoping he bounces back and at least just has a good season because we know he's capable of doing it uh, mm. especially with his awesome goals I think every time I, if I see Tecatito scored I'm like I need to see this goal because it's probably some you know Meg here and there and you know leave it to us yeah so but it's all very um, inconsistent isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> for him um, Salcedo definitely played the whole game he correct? did yeah he did and Frankfurt won um, which after their shock defeat in the cup a couple of weeks ago was important result to then to start the Bundesliga season well I mean started at centre back which I think is great I want to see him play centre back I think definitely long term you think he's he's got to be the key centre back for Mexico so um, pressure you know are, are we thinking again just to bring on to another centre back playing in Europe now with Nestor do you think Moreno's position's under threat I mean it's unbelievable to think because he's for so long been the centre back first name on the team sheet but with Salcedo and, and Nestor do you think there's there's a potential that Moreno could be pushed out I think so um, I really enjoy Moreno I you know ever since he played you know in the younger three and stuff the, that viable player in your back line but 
it, it, it's looking like Moreno's going to drop. I mean, even the the preparation game before the World Cup, you know, Moreno was just not himself. I think I even said it in a video. Like, he just he was just so off, and I was really worried about how he was going to, uh, how what his performance was going to be at the World Cup. So, to this point, I mean, everybody was upset about Nestor not making it because I think he was one of the players that, you know, definitely deserved it and unlucky situation about his injury. He was not able to make it on time, but I really enjoy Salcedo. I think I, we saw what Salcedo play as a right back for Mexico, I think, a game or so. I really enjoy that too, but I think this duo and Nestor Araujo and Salcedo, I, I think is a strong duo and either Moreno has to step it up or... That's going to be probably the duo. And what about Reyes? I don't like Reyes at all. But he's got a so. good move, right? Oh, let's let's talk about that. Uh, yeah. Um, let's talk about Diego Reyes because I, when I first heard the news, I was looking on a Twitter and I saw this video where they're welcoming. And I was like, who are they welcoming? They seem so ecstatic of welcoming. And I see Diego Reyes walk out and I'm like... Okay, is it? Am I seeing Diego Reyes? I'm not a big fan of Diego Reyes. I'm glad he finally got a job because everybody on was, you know, seeing him at America games and traveling and here and there, and everybody was, everybody on Twitter was pretty, pretty much telling him, hey, you got to get a job soon because you can't just be not doing anything, you know, thinking of his uh, future <laughs> with Mexico. Maybe to me, no. But Diego Reyes. Can't help me pronounce the team because I've been having a hard time saying. You got it right earlier. <laughs> I can't say it, Tom. Fenerbahce. Very simple. There you go. So Diego Reyes transferred to that team. What are your thoughts on that? It's great. I mean, five uh, Mexican centre-backs are now playing in Europe. I mean, we probably shouldn't count Alanis because he's in the second division. But... Yeah, I was going to say that. His <laughs> second division doesn't count. <laughs> You've got four four Mexican centre-backs playing first division European football, uh, which I think is very, very good. I mean, it's, it's promising. Yeah, Marino's 30 now, so he's getting on a bit. But the other guys are all in a position where they're going to be in their prime for, or should be in their prime. You never know because players aren't robots they don't always hit their peak at 28 29 30 but um on average that is a player's prime and so there's going to be three center backs who should be looking good for the next world cup it is very ambitious thinking you know this is sort of this is perfect world thinking right here but it's definitely promising to see and good to have that competition i think that's a big thing to have a competition for places rather than just, you know, even if Moreno had a bad game or he made a mistake or something, you, you knew he was always going to be in the team because there's no one exactly. else to step up. And yeah, hopefully Montez will see growing and developing over the next few years and putting pressure on each other for positions. There's some optimism. I definitely, I think competition, it serves well. It gives the players, you know, mentally like, hey, I got to step it up or I'm getting replaced or, you know, because the talent is there and it's, it's a healthy competition. So it's good to have all of them over there playing in Europe and um, staying healthy, which is more important. But so yeah, we're not going to count Alanis because, um, yeah, I mean, second division, I mean, he even said it. I'm not going back to Mexico. He's going to keep searching. So I was hoping maybe, I don't know, somewhere else first, you know, I don't care how small the league is, at least playing first division. But 
he wanted to stay there. He did not want to go back to Chivas, even though Chivas doors were definitely open for him. But, you know, if he manages to at least have a decent season for him, I think that's what makes him happy. It'll probably make us happy in a little sense. I'm not going to emphasize it too much because he could have gone somewhere else. They're questioning if he would have gone to MLS and I don't know. I didn't really feel convinced about that. So, um, Marco Fabian. Let's talk about Marco Fabian. <laughs> His fallout with um, the same team. With Fenerbahce, yeah, yeah. With Fenerbahce, uh, yeah. Conflicting reports, reports of medical back problems. He claimed that that's not true. So, I don't know. It's, it's one of those, isn't it? Well, we don't know the full story yet. Yeah, he has got, what, a day <laughs> to find a team? Yeah, a day, because it closes tomorrow. So, I don't know. I mean, Amaury Chivas, um, Jorge Becarazan was like, Marco Fabian is more than welcome to come back to Chivas. His doors are open. We can definitely use a quality player like him, which wouldn't be a bad idea, considering Chivas does have the mini World Cup coming up. But don't think that's what Marco Fabian wants and I think I don't know is he going to be able to get a team on time I really don't know and especially like you said pointing out the unknown what are the real reasons why the deal fell out because um, they're saying that he didn't pass his medical and you know X and Y and Z but we don't it's know what's going to happen it's a great shame because um, injuries have gotten in the way like, like for so much of his career but he actually he actually did really well in Germany and I think he proved a lot of people wrong. So many people have written him off, said that he was never going to make it and he actually had a couple of very good seasons. When he, when he was fit, he was fantastic. So it's, it's a great shame because he, I've long been a massive fan of his and I think he's just unfortunate. Um, his, his career could have been so much better than it has. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he learned yeah. German really quickly. Just see the interviews that he would give in German. I'm like, that's dedication right there. Yeah, and and it's great. Um, that that that's just made me think. You know how he was written off for his uh, his lifestyle for so many years, right? And we're so yeah. quick to jump jump on a player if they make a bad decision, and forget that they're human and that they're young and they can make mistakes. And clearly, like you say, he's gone out and learned German really quickly. That shows that probably he'd grown up a bit and that he'd realised that he'd had to dedicate himself to football and we saw the performances on the pitch. So, yeah, don't write a player off just because they make a few mistakes when they're young. I think mean, that's always a, something to think because they're only human. Sometimes it takes players a few years to grow up. You know, I mean, imagine being young and having hundreds of thousands of pounds thrown at you. I mean, like, easily done. Easily done. Definitely. Good to mention that. I think people get lost in, you know, players, they do make mistakes. They're human. But, you know, as long as they admit it and move on and, you know. And but these things seem to stick in people's minds forever. They like, do. They do. I think everybody can trace back to whenever Mexico had that wild party. And, you know, it's just things that are never going to go away because Mexico loves emphasizing on nonsense stuff and trying to blame it on the players. This is the reason why you guys don't play well, which is utterly stupid. But yeah. You know. And, and for, for example, every single time I, I'm 
mention Dita Pando and I say he, look, he's performing great. He's doing as well as any other Mexican midfielder in Liga Mekis right now. Someone all the time says, oh yeah, but there's attitude problems. Oh, but he had attitude problems. He had a fallout. He had this at Pachuca. He had, he's got a bad attitude. And I'm like, that was five years ago. <laughs> like, get over it. Right? It was five years ago. And, uh, and all, all we can judge is what have we seen on the pitch? And he has been consistently fantastic for two seasons. So that, Definitely. <laughs> that proves enough for me. So, yeah, I think that's an important point. Keep an open mind. Definitely. Let's keep that in mind. And let's move on to my favorite player, Chucky Lozano. <laughs> With PSV, he has three goals and one assist and counting. Definitely scored in Champions League, which they did qualify. It's a Champions League and they have a difficult group. But more importantly, who who did they get, Tom? Who did PSV get? Uh, well, of course, they signed Eric Gutierrez, which was fantastic, fantastic news. And obviously part of that has to do with the fact that they qualified for the Champions League. They got Champions League money. So well done, Chucky. Looking out for your best mate. Getting them into the Champions League so they can buy Guti. Maybe that was some sort of bonus they agreed upon. Uh, and, and honestly, probably. Chucky probably had the best game of his career when in, in, the, um, in the second leg of the the knockout round, which was massive, massive game, and he was utterly phenomenal. He scored fantastic goal. He completed eleven dribbles during the match, which is like I've only ever seen Neymar and Messi complete more than that in a single game. So elite level stuff. Four key passes as well. I mean, he was, yeah, he was elite. He was he was world class in that game. So just great hope to see him continue to grow and hope that Gutierrez has a great time there I mean Gutierrez I see as uh, people have been saying it for a long time he is the perfect Guadada replacement left-footed midfield playmaker who has can add a few goals but is mainly there to dictate the play create chances and really yeah control the tempo of the way Mexico play Guardado getting on a bit it's time to phase him out we've got the perfect guy to come in and he's going to the club where Guardado had so much success so it, it's just it's just perfect um, yeah I think Guti had stagnated in Mexico I think he got to the level where he couldn't really go any higher you know there mm -hmm. wasn't that much more he could do because the challenge the level around him wasn't good enough you know he'd, he'd reached his peak in Mexico so uh, maybe he could have gone a year earlier, but you know it's better better a, a year late than five years late never. or never, of course. So, yeah, fantastic for him, and and also great. Uh, I think great for Pachuca because, well, great great for Mexico fans with Pachuca because we want to see them bring through the next guy. And Pablo Lopez is someone who's got a lot of minutes in midfield for them this season. I think he could come in and be the Guti replacement, which could be quite exciting plus I mean they've got I think it's six million up front could rise there's could be additional clauses apparently they've held on to 10% of his rights so they'll make more money if he gets sold on uh, that money as long as all is above board is just gonna be pumped back into the Academy back into making their um, making their cantera even better than it already is which is brilliant and hopefully other clubs look at that example to set you know because their approach has won them trophies and it's making them a hell of a lot of money. So 
you know, you, you shouldn't need to force clubs to say you must play young players for a certain amount of minutes. Clubs should be looking at it and going, hey, this, this Pachuca thing's working well. You know? I think Santos Definitely. have done that. Or Santos, if not, they copied Pachuca. They, they see the, the benefits of having that, that system and it's working really, really well for both of them. They're both winning trophies. They're both exporting players and making money. Um, and increasing their reputation by getting players in the national team. All good stuff. So... If clubs want to look to a good example, smaller clubs within the league, they're definitely the the, the clubs that, that people should be emulating. Definitely. And I think you mentioned like probably this move would have been done like a year before for Guti. And I think I saw an interview uh, where they were interviewing Gutierrez and he was kind of mellow because, you know, obviously we all know the famous, you know, trio on Pachuca, Pizarro, Chucky and Guti and you know, Chucky, uh, Pizarro left, Chucky left, everybody was leaving and he was kind of left to like, okay, what am I doing wrong? You know, cause he, I guess he wanted also to make that move and people see that, wow, this player is actually, you know, up to his, uh, up to his prime and he's moving along. And I think maybe for, you know, a couple of months, I think I can't remember the interview well, but he was kind of pretty upset about it, which is understandable, but I'm so stoked about this especially reuniting with Chucky again so we can all can imagine what they can do together and I'm just excited because they're it's Champions League it's the most beautiful tournament ever Tom I love Champions League and um seeing what Chucky can do for PSV and Champions League is just makes it more exciting because you see Chucky how he just demolishes the league it's just Chucky every single game being consistent doesn't matter if he scores if he assists if he doesn't even score, he has a fabulous game. So definitely the addition of Guti, really great. Um, hope these two have a great um, season, adding Guti obviously to the season. But in Champions League, I hope they have a good run. They do have a, a pretty um, competitive group, but let's hope it works uh, out. a kind way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you have a better word for it, because um, I just don't want to Very difficult, I think. <laughs> I mean, Barcelona, <laughs> Tottenham and Inter Milan, like, that's that's tough. It's a competitive group on uh, Champions League, so I'm definitely happy for uh, Guti. Now the question, I think I had talked to you about it um, yesterday, Pizarro, Pizarro's missing, and you probably don't agree with me, but... I just think he just wasted this. And it's not him, but they just wasted his season in Liga Mekis with Monterrey because of financial stuff that he has no problem. You know, he has nothing into it, but it's just the value of him. And I think it's just deteriorating slowly. And I hope it doesn't take away from the what he can do being exported to Europe. So... I think that's my only thing is could Pizarro come up next I don't know I mean I think we all would want to see it but um oh question two for you do you think Guti will get a good playing time uh so first of all Pizarro no I completely agree why would I disagree with that I don't know I <laughs> said something before. yesterday and you were like uh <laughs> no I think I was saying that he's had a terrible season so far um, oh yeah, yeah, it was with Monterrey. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I, th I think that obviously he he was ready for Europe, and if if not, then he shouldn't have left Chivas, where he was the main man. Um, he's gone to Monterrey, who are stacked, and the system's not quite suiting him. I don't think um, they're <laughs> still kind of working things out. Well, PSV probably run out of money. 
<laughs> so they, they probably can't sell him until they can't buy him until they get to another Champions League. On uh, Guti, I don't know exactly. Uh, I'm I'm not a big follower of, of Dutch football, but I think he may slot in. They normally play a four three three or a four two three one, and I think there is if he performs well, there's room within that midfield for him to get in. So uh, you'd expect if they've invested this amount of money this is a lot of money for a dutch club so yeah i, th I think if they've if they've invested this amount i think he's, he's going to get a good game time but obviously he's got to perform you know if, if he doesn't perform Definitely. then um people will be on his back but you know if he performs then yeah i think he, i can I th think he can slot in and, and play and obviously they've got champions league and and the league so there should be a little bit of rotation in there as well Definitely. That's a good point. Yeah, they do have more. So he has more option of playing and getting rotated. And I think they just have to really give um, these two the opportunity to be on the field together and see the the connection that they have, the easiness to read, you know, one another. And I think if they see that, then it'll probably, you know, be something that will be consistent. Um, so I'm definitely excited to see how Guti will um, mm. come into PSV, how he'll develop, how what we'll see, you know, I'm, I'm excited because it's it's exci an exciting move that all of us really have been kind of pending for a while. So at least it got done before mm. the deadline. And and the yeah. other thing is, so there is a report earlier this summer that PSV were looking at Guti and a New Zealand player called Ryan Thomas who played in the Eredivisie. And they signed Ryan Thomas so it looked like the Guti deal would be dead because it was kind of one or the other. And, and Thomas mm -hmm. got a serious knee injury a few days after joining the club. So that meant that that position had opened up again well, for them to add. And then I think it was, they'd clearly agreed how much it would be with Pachuca. And it was like, if we get to the Champions League, money's in your account and the deal's done. And it, and it was, like yeah. they qualified for the Champions League and then suddenly the player was signed. So it seemed that they had some sort of agreement there and um, yeah. they had to get the Champions League money to then be able to afford Gutierrez, which they've done. And uh, it looks like the, that because of the other player getting the injury, there's probably going to be that place in the squad for him. That's crazy. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Uh, things happen in a very unlucky way, but hey, they got they got Guti. And I think what I really liked about the whole transfer was that Chucky was FaceTiming with um, Guti and telling him, and they were just so genuinely excited for each other. And Lozano was like, you know, I can't wait for you to be here. And you know, it was just very genuine, very humble from each other. So I think that's what really brought us all like, oh, the all moment that they're finally reunited. But PSV have done pretty well with their sort of social media pushing definitely. Chucky as much as possible. So they're doing well. Definitely. And I don't know if you want to talk about it, but Ochoa, do you want to talk about Ochoa? <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't want to get into it now. <laughs> Because I could talk about that for a long time, so yeah, it's a shame. That's all. It's I'll a say. lucky situation. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's not unlucky. It's unfair. Okay, it's unfair. Yeah, um, but it's kind of like you know they set this high, and it just falls apart. And I think I don't know. To me, it's kind of like okay, then what now? You know, but you know I've always had this love and hate relationship with him people have disagreed with me but I, that's how, just how I feel and it always is prior to World Cup where during World Cup prior, prior to World Cup he has he just does not have a good performance and then World Cup 
he has the best performance and it's it's been like that yo-yo effect so um you know i appreciate the prior world cup you know good this past world cup good so now it's kind of like you know but i think he's great i like him i like him a lot don't get me wrong i i I like him but there's there's some i don't know i don't sometimes i don't feel secure with him and goal i really don't sometimes he's cut his hair again though Huh? He's cut his hair again, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean this is a different ball game, but yeah, I mean sometimes like with Ochoa, I'm like, why? Like I feel like he does. Sometimes he doesn't know how to come out. Sometimes he just flimsy and comes out just because, and no, unnecessary. But you know, respected. He has good performance in the World Cup, which is funny to me because I'm when I see the line when I see the call up for the the two, what, 2014 World Cup, I was like, no, Ochoa, no. And then Ochoa had the best performance, so that yo-yo effect with him but what can we do and he got called up so will he start i i kind of want to give lahoud a chance to start not you know Ochoa. that's just me my dad does not like lahoud i don't know about you um kind of iffy mm. yeah um and or Gonzalez is always a good option too but do you think Ochoa will make it the next world cup yeah. because that's everybody's like yes I, I do. and i'm kind of like uh i don't know I think he will. I mean, Drew Corona was is thirty seven, and he went to the last World Cup. Yeah, but he didn't play. That's my problem with those. Like when they call up. Yeah, those, I'm not saying like, I'm not necessarily saying he's going to play, but I think he'll go. Oh, so you don't think he'll start? I don't know. That's interesting. Now I'm interested. You okay. don't think he'll start? No, I don't know. Everybody that I, everybody that I've talked to, they're like, "Yeah, Ochoa's going to start," and now I'm getting this, and I'm kind of. It's four Intriguing. years away. I mean, people get people get weird convictions about what's going to happen in four years' time that confuse me. Most most of all, that Gallardo will be a left back forever after playing four <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah, I I could I talk about that for about half an hour. So let's not go into. <laughs> okay, let's not go into Gallardo. Very very yeah. I mean. He had pretty good performance, so I was shocked versus Germany because I did not want him in the lineup. But you know what? His Monterrey move happened, and he's on the bench, just as I predicted. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can only say so much, but I'm not sure he should even be in this Mexico squad. But anyway, <laughs> hey, that's good. You added another player that should not be called up. Uh, just... No, he just about deserves it because he did do well at the World Cup. But I think he's got potential, yeah. but. He needs to actually play at left back, you know. So he won't be in the lineup, Qatar. At Qatar, no, mm. no. Okay, interesting. I'll jot this down and date it. I <laughs> honestly don't. I agree, though. I don't understand where is this upset. Like he, everyone. It's like the age-old thing of football. Don't judge a player too much off a World Cup. He played four good games in the World Cup. Well, one very good game for, for three quite good games. He's now the backup left back slash left winger for Monterrey. At Pumas, he was a below average Liga Mekis winger and a decent left back. I can see the core parts of there being potential there because of his, um, his physicality um, his positioning was very good in the World Cup and he's got some good technical skills. Um, not good enough to be a good winger, but, but good, good enough 
to be a good fullback that can support the attack. I think the parts are there, but he just—he's barely played left back in his career. So yeah, I mean the Monterey move was awful. It That's really a- was awful. So thanks a lot, Rados, for signing two, <laughs> making two awful signings of Mexican players. One that's a really, no, nonsense. Another one that's just very frustrating because you're holding up a player with that it was, is at his prime questioning because he's not having a good league at Mickey season. But. Yeah, but uh, all I can say is if the 9-9 rule didn't exist, neither of them would be there. So there you go. And that's good point. factually good accurate. Point. Yeah, no, that that's, sort that's of. A, yeah, it's legit. It's legit. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I went through my list. You want to add anything else? No, I'm good. Okay, well, thank you everyone who has listened um, for this pretty long chat about uh, all things El Tadi. I said there was a lot to get through, so that's why we've decided to focus on it today. Caddy, thanks for joining again. If people don't already, where can they find your Twitter? Um, you guys can follow me at Gary Torres underscore seven. And you can find me at Tom H underscore 36. And you can follow at the colorful kit um, to keep up to date with all the podcasts and goings on with the colorful kit family. Uh, so yeah, thanks again very much uh, for joining us today. And uh, we'll catch you all another time on another edition where I will not be in the UK. It's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. We'll finally be on the same time zones, Tom. So that'll, that'll definitely work out better for another podcast. Yeah. I mean, all I can say is catch you in Mexico City. <laughs> Eat some tacos because Tom needs to get tacos in Mexico City. First thing I'm doing. <laughs>